You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you live from Des Moines, Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Poach down in Houston, Texas. Josh Fredland is back in the comments section, moderating and just hanging out, being awesome. So be sure to hit him up with your questions, thoughts, abuse, all that good stuff throughout the show. Obviously, I uh, missed out last week, guys. So, uh, yeah, how's the last few weeks been? So, did you put up any like padding in in your room because it's less echoey? Uh, you know, I changed rooms. Uh, I changed locations, and uh, I, hopefully, it's working a little bit better. So, plus, I get to hang up my stuff. So, you should just like have your dogs lie down but behind the computer, so you know the sound just bounces off their fur. <laughs> I have I have one that if I let him he would like lay right here like right here the whole time so maybe that would oh. actually like muffle <laughs> some of the noise coming in from the side I don't know. All right, so if I did that with my bulldog, he'd break my collarbone. So, <laughs> so, so there's two things I want to get get talk about before you know we actually talk about real shit. Um, I guess the serious one is rugby in Nova Scotia. Uh, so, I mean, that, that is a question that was asked of us, but uh, I kind of want to address it up front. So last, last week, the NSSAF, NSAF, or whatever, Nova Scotia Schools Athletic Federation banned rugby. Yeah. <laughs> Clap it up. Well, and then after, you know, sometimes social media does some stuff. They said they cited a bunch of insurance data and, you know, it really came down to the fact that, oh, because of what Rugby Canada has done to mitigate health issues such as concussion and has encouraged a culture of being safe and reporting things like concussions, uh, that apparent like that data ha- is now being used against rugby to cut sports. And this is like, you know, in the age of, you know, education budgets getting the crunch. Um, it was also interesting to see that the ratio of like girls to boys rugby. So this really affected women, young women more than it affected men. It was like a three to two for every three schools that had uh, girls rugby. Uh, that was varsity. There were two schools that had boys rugby. Uh, rugby and the reason really that exists is because Canada in Canada women's rugby is got U sports status which is like NCAA. Um, but so according to this data that NSAF pulled up, there was only one reported concussion in all of 2018 for hockey. Yeah, what? which is bullshit. What <laughs> hockey? So all right, so so. So I talk about how football has less concussions than uh, per capita than, than girls' um, soccer. Um, well, at the professional level, at the grassroots level, at the college level in this country, hockey, the data is clear. Hockey has the most concussions of any sport, at least in the United States. There's no way that like it doesn't have 
con- more concussions in, in Canada. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, football is king. Football's king up there, just as it's king down here. I think it, it was just a convenient way to cut a sport. Uh, they, they were blaming insurance premiums. Obviously, the school school's athletic association just needed to find an excuse to cut a sport that really isn't that massive. You know, like, it, I guess, per capita compared to, to the United States. Yeah, rugby in Canada is much bigger compared to population. We have relatively the same, they, the same size of population and membership per capita. They're like you know, they, they lead us like five to one based on a per capita basis, but you know, around 125,000 members, but here's the kicker, <laughs> um, through social media pressure, some, um, some, some qualified medical doctors that raised some hell about this. Um, last week, the minister of education for the province of Nova Scotia told NSAF, Hey, we're playing rugby. All right, reinstate rugby. And then today there was a really long letter <laughs> from like the board, the NSAF board of governors and the executive director saying, um, well, the schools can play at the discretion of their principals, but it's not being reinstated. And I'm just like, can I cuss? Bitch, please, you fired. <laughs> you fired. Like, if, if, I mean, I'm literally t- like, so I'm the minister of education, right? We're playing Pinky rugby. Out. We are playing rugby, okay? We're playing rugby. Yeah, it, it's we're playing just... rugby. And then he says, "No, we're not." And I'm just like, "You're done." <laughs> I I just find it completely ridiculous that rugby is essentially paying the price for Ricky and Julie and not reporting every concussion on the Sunnyvale Trailer Park team. That that's just the way that I'm seeing it because rugby is trying to be forthcoming about players' health. It, it, it's it's it, it made us look bad in the spotlight once the spotlight was finally on us. Uh, you know, kind of like kind of like you said, Aaron. And what this what this really does is it encourages athletes to not report concussions to coaches or to medical professionals. Um, you know, in, in the case that the symptoms slip through the cracks. Uh, you know, in, in the observation process, that's the really dangerous part here because if you know, especially young kids at the high school level if they think that not reporting is going to protect their team or protect their club or sport, you know, like that, 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 that's, that's just going to be bad for their health in the long run. And I think this is, uh, you know, this band has that long-term effect or could potentially have that long-term effect. Yeah. So, so that was wild. And, and here's the difference between like Canada and the United States. I think almost, I think all of the provinces have varsity sanctioned rugby uh, like in schools, like at the high school level. Whereas the United States, we only have one. That's Massachusetts. Hell yeah. So if like Canadian provinces all, all of a sudden start cutting school rugby, the battle to grow rugby at like the youth level for us becomes extremely difficult. And so getting the reversal was very important. But then these idiots saying, no, we're just, we're not going to listen. Um, is makes it very interesting, I gotta say. But why are we why are we actually here? I think there was a TV show last night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's get to what's really important. So Game of Thrones. Oh. All right. So so question was that episode more bullshit than episode three? 
uh, episode three, I didn't consider it to be bullshit, uh, other than the fact that Jamie and Lady Brienne were able to fight off 30 freaking White Walkers at once, and so was Sam. Okay, there was a little bit of bullshit in, season, in, in episode three. Okay, the, the, no, the, the, the tactics this, completely pissed me off. The Arya right, thing, the, I, I This was I a really writing episode. This, oh, so we, we, we got to see their worlds, their, these characters' worlds crumble around them in more ways than just physical, which is what episode three was all about. You finally see this whole... You know, like the, the the facade of the Stark family being impenetrable in terms of their honor and or in terms of their, you know, the way that they have each other's backs at all time. Because it turns out that John, who was kind of the glue that holding them together up until this point, isn't even a Stark. He's a Targaryen. Well, he comes from a Stark mother, but we all know how the male bloodline works in this whole uh, patriarchy of of Westeros. So it's I I I I found it to be a really good episode just because it's. It, ter- it totally turns the characters' worlds on, on, on uh, you know, on their heads in a way that the battle never possibly could have. Oh, overall, like, love like the certain pieces of like drama and build up, but let's just cut to the chase and get to the end. Okay, that scorpion shit was bullshit. All <laughs> right, because there is no way you have like twenty freaking ships just hanging out. Like behind a rock, um, and this massive castle where there's lookouts, which apparently you still control because when you got on the beach, you didn't get captured. Um, and they there, there's no warning, no reconnaissance, no intelligence, whatever. And then you're just flying around hippie. But here's the thing: that what made it really stupid is that they're rapidly reloadable. Yeah, and they're like right. They're like on an actuator as if it's like freaking a mid two thousands. A uh, brand new roller coaster where he's just like, bunk, bunk, bunk. and I'm like, the hell? Like, there is Boy. no freaking way. And like the, it, we're talking about wood and like twine, like to get to this. So <laughs> and the the bolts like going like in a perfect trajectory to like do that, and then not just one shot, but multiple shots. Come on, that was. Was, you know, but, after Euron was confirmed to the Drowned God, he said, build me a thousand ships, as well as build me a feat of engineering hundreds of years before it's time. I, I, I seem to remember that line. Do you not? Uh, yeah, t- totally. I, I, it's just like, last episode, we only get one salvo of artillery. But in this episode, you have rapidly reloadable scorpions the size of my house don't get me wrong i mean like if if they had the capability of firing like one really big arrow at a pace of like you know two five to six minutes at a time then maybe that could have been but at the same time like i i totally thought that like once like they send like that first wave like that first or second wave of big arrows she was going to come back in and just burn them to hell when when i think about like uh the the physics of this you know, it would take them 10 minutes to, like, bring back the freaking string because it's, just, like, the tension is so crazy. But it was just, like, psh, bolt. It was, you know, it was, there was, like, a there was a magazine feeding, you know, 100-pound 100, 100 bolts that just flew straight in a perfect trajectory uh, so fast that it would pierce the dragon. Uh, it, yeah. You ever shot a fifty-pound bow before, like, and tried to draw back on that? I, well, I mean, uh, I've shot a hundred-pound bull. 
low, but, it was, but it was a compound. So was that in the military or no, that's for hunting. Um, like actual hundred pound bows though. Like, like actual, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Bows and arrows are not standard uh, military issue. Uh, uh, <laughs> only for John fucking Rambo. Only John Rambo with incendiary tips in um, not first blood. Rambo to whatever the heck that one was, where he's it just worked like, for Hawkeye. Yeah, Come on. Aaron's not allowed to talk about the super secret, you know, stealth ops division where they use bow and arrows. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So. They're, they're led by a link. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So, so, so yeah, we, yeah, let's get to the thing. Yeah. Liam, did you, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Uh, I'm sorry. You kind of. No, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I, I, I'm kind of seeming to remember that we do a rugby podcast now. <laughs> We're literally 15 minutes into the show. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, right. Uh, all right. So. <laughs> For those of you rapid, new, rapid fire podcast, let's go. <laughs> for those of you new to the podcast, we're earful of dirt. We do this every Monday night. Uh, usually, I'm with you guys. Uh, last week, I was not, so I appreciate your your patience and understanding with my absence last week. But most Monday, Monday nights, we discuss uh, news, rumors, and uh, all things Major League Rugby, which is the United States Professional Rugby Union. Uh, it's our chance to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, teams, and team leadership, and to check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. So with all that said, apart from Game of Thrones and Nova Scotia rugby, Aaron, what are we talking about tonight? So I guess we're back to Austin looking better, but still losing. Same old, same mm-hmm. old. Nola back on top of the league. Uh, I think... Uh, they're uh, going to be in a in a place to where they they could host a home playoff pretty soon. Uh, Glendale look like Glendale. Oh my! Toronto makes it spicy with another win. They did that two weeks in a row, and New York they hold out in the slop. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, first up we had Nola visiting Austin, uh, coming away with the victory, twenty-six to fourteen. And I just want to say right off the top, uh, thank you to Josh Fredland for the fantastic match recaps that he does every single week. You're going to be hearing me tell you some highlights produced by him. And that's available most Sunday nights on our website, earfulofdirt.com. So be sure to check out match recaps right there every weekend. So Nola Gold were able to secure a bonus point victory over Austin Elite in just 50 minutes of play. The goal continued to earn wins that put them on top of the table, but they are slowing down a little bit from the torrid pace that they were at the beginning of the season. Liam, lead us off. What are you thinking after this game? So I don't think there was any real surprises about the outcome of this one uh, or that the gold were able to score a try on the opening kickoff uh, thanks to a perfect grouping of faces. Uh, With the elite, I just see a team that leaves a lot of phases and drives unfinished uh, and 22 ter- to- total turnovers in the, in the game as a whole. Uh, it's probably bound to leave their fans feeling a pretty similar way. Uh, well, their set piece actually performed reasonably well in, the, in this one, completing 100% in both the lineout and scrums and even managing a takeaway in the lineout. Uh, what I found to be a pretty glaring figure, though, was just an 84% uh, completed tackle rate. And wouldn't you know it, Nola had themselves seven total line breaks on the day. So 
I'd say that there's probably a connection on the poor tackling rate and Nola able to just, you know, have their way with opening up some open pasture there. Frankly, with the firepower that Nola has, I'm shocked that the final score wasn't even higher than it was. However, on that note, I noticed that there was a few actual there was actual attacking minutes in this game uh, between the two sides, just 30 minutes in total, and Nola controlled most of that with 18 minutes of their own. When it came to actual production, Nola put up a total of 860 meters on 159 passes for an average uh, meters per pass of 5.4. Austin, meanwhile, 748 meters on 121 passes for pretty good um, MPP of 6.1. However, uh, the numbers in that stat sheet, they don't really translate well to the scoreboard as we've seen so far this season on many occasions. Uh, players to highlight for Austin, Andres Villaseca and Zinzan Elon Pudik, they both topped the century mark with 109 and 104 meters respectively. Zinzan had a total of 10 carries and had Villaseca not scored the try, I would probably consider him to have been the most impressive uh, Austin player on the night. Uh, for Nola, for Nola Got to give it to the Silver Fox, Taylor Howden. 10 carries, 93 total meters, and he fit right back into that 10 saw and at that 10 spot, and he allowed Tristan Blewett to move on back into the back line. Ignacio Dotti also had himself a pretty good game with the ball in hand. Some Not impressive sure. runs there to go along with 73 meters and, uh, and a try as well. The clock is ticking for Austin on this season. Uh, God, I don't want to say win this season because that just means they're going to beat the Sabercats because the rugby gods are cruel. Uh, but it's not looking good. The uh, the Hugh Jacksoning effect is real, and we should not underestimate it. Sort of a classic Austin game. See what they're trying to do. Relatively well drilled, but they're not physical enough. If anything, that's what their their biggest issue was, and and is. Uh, Austin wasn't lost in this game per se. They executed a game plan. What they couldn't do was execute physical intensity. Maybe that's uh, because of the injuries they've had all season. I don't know. Um, when taking the ball in hand, instead of you know running to contact, they sort of just offloaded like this and like down the line and got overtaken by Nola's line speed. And I think you know when it comes to some people say about uh, defense coaches in. <laughs> In rugby union, all you need is attitude, line speed, line speed, line speed, attitude. I said line speed, you know, shit. Line speed, shit. line speed, line speed. And, you know, of late, uh, I, I don't think Nola has, has been uh, super physically intense in some of their games. Uh, but they were in this game. This could be as simple as being too flat for Austin, but, but flatness wasn't really the issue here. They were just not set up and running ready to take passes off phases they they, they just weren't um it, it was close i think uh you know i i know you mentioned uh i guess how much of a sieve austin were but they also weren't much of a sieve because they stopped uh nola from scoring i guess kind of where it mattered uh between 10 meters out and the try line because you know based on how Nola was moving the ball overall. The, the scoreline is very weird. Uh, you know, so really defense and some minor heroics uh, from a few of the players, notably Dominique Bailey, who took that ball and just burned everyone uh, about 70 meters to score a try. Uh, Austin isn't completely lost. Like, they're not lost as a team. There is definitely some effort still being pushed by them. 
but there are a lot of things they need to do. Maybe they should call Utah and find out what aftershave they used because that's probably the only way they're going to get a win. Uh, given Austin's schedule, they could get one, but I think we could say that they have secured the wooden Doug. <laughs> the wooden Doug? When did, when did we agree on that name? I'm not saying I don't agree. I absolutely do. I love it. But, but uh, hey, uh, we did not make it. It exists in real life. The Doug. Courtesy of Bob Yeah, but that's Bob's. the one spoon. No. Here, the Doug. The Doug is an oar. It is massive. Oh, so we're um, not making fun of Doug Schrodinger? No, it, no it we is, are. But well. it needed to be big enough. <laughs> it needed to be big enough so that you could put plaques on it. Because ah. a, most wooden spoons are not that big. You get my meat. Now, uh, now, quick question, clarification. Is it Doug or Dougie? It, well, because I think the wooden Dougie just has a nice ring to it. A wooden Dougie. Teach me how to teach me. How to. I don't know. All right. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, really, I guess I'm not really surprised at Austin's performance. I am a little bit surprised at New Orleans. Uh, I wanted to see a bit more, uh, especially when you're, when you're facing off against the last place team, you want to see them win by about 20 to 30. We didn't see that. They did have their chances and they gave the ball up at the wrong time. But, uh, you know, it's they are in pole position right now, and I want to see more out of them, and we will get to see more out of them because they are going to play San Diego. Oh, my. San Diego. <clears throat> you know what that means in Spanish, right? A whale's vagina. That's my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> so what, one thing I want to say about the earful of dirt drinking game is one of our big regrets is not making one of the rules early 2000s movie reference. So I just want to say to all of our fans out there, just consider that a rule if you if you can remember. Knights of Columbus. I wasn't allowed to watch that movie when it came out. So I just wanted you guys wow. to let that sink in. Shake and make. <laughs> Uh, I need wasn't to get, allowed to watch that one either. I need to get. Uh, I, I need to watch uh, Semi Pro so I can get all the so so I can know all the lines because from what I understand, I, I sort of I think I watched like twenty minutes of it years ago, but it has it is. I want to say it's pretty awful. Yeah, <laughs> pretty I've bad. I've never seen the whole thing. I've, I'm not. I'm honestly not the biggest Will Ferrell fan. Like early two thousands, I guess he he was all right, but. This is something about his voice that's nails on a chalkboard to me. It's like uh, the Catalina wine mixer. A Catalina wine mixer. What, what I what I learned from movies from that era is that if you can ro- uh, dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And I, oh, I have lived by those words. You know what? Yeah, there's nothing that Mr. Farrell will ever make in his entire uh, so, lifetime that so will touch you, that. So you, so you funeral crash now. <laughs> 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 oh gosh we could take it all the way back to the 90s uh uh vince vaughn and say yeah we're just checking out the beautiful babies in vegas but uh maybe that's a little too old i don't know i don't what? get that reference don't <laughs> wow i yeah, don't get it never, sorry okay no. never mind it it's a very old movie um <laughs> this is this is where i remember oh yeah i'm 40 <laughs> uh. you guys aren't <laughs> Oh, this is a good one. He said he's 40. 
<laughs> you need to, so you need to grow a mullet. All right. <laughs> and then you need to, to wear an orange shit, uh, no, orange shirt. And uh, you can be Mike Gundy. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm 40. <laughs> Uh, uh, yes. That'd be fantastic. Uh, All right. <laughs> so we had another game this weekend. <laughs> Did we? Uh, yeah. Uh, Utah. We had a mountain rivalry. So Utah traveled across the across the uh, Pikey Plains to uh, visit Glendale, and uh, successfully lost that game, twenty-two to sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> Glendale uh, Raptors managed to tie the MLR record for most points in a game by a single team uh, with 64. Uh, they tied them. Uh, unfortunately, in both instances, Utah was the team that uh, had those points scored against them. So wait, it, it was a tie. I thought they beat it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm asking. Both game, both of those games came in against them. Uh, yeah. I, be- okay. I believe, yeah, Utah had 64 points so. scored against them twice this year. I think well, what I'll be say. God damned. Um, Not both by Glendale. Is that yep. true? I'm, I'm yep. so Tor- we're, we're, Tor- Toronto scored 64 points. We, we, we fact checked uh, and it is true. Against Utah, yep. So there you go. Fun yep. facts. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. Yep. And uh, Aaron, tell us about the game. Um, so Utah is the only team. <laughs> to give up that many points. So it makes you wonder since Austin hasn't given up that many points to Utah, are they actually better? Uh, so shift to Adam Malifa as fly half, uh, as the starting fly half role for Glendale has actually bared some fruit, uh, first against New York and now against uh, uh, Utah. And this gave McGee the finisher role, which really I I think has been necessary in sort of both of these games, just the way they played and, and what they were doing. Um, Ada, you know, I, I think he played a little bit poorly uh, in those first 10 minutes where Utah caught Glendale on the back foot. And, but it did change very fast, losing Fepuleai and then like the second minute probably stung the Raptors a bit early, but Fafita is a veteran of Major League Rugby and has been battling uh, Marco Fepuleai all season for the starting tight end position. He acquitted himself just fine. Utah had the they, – they just had it for 10 minutes. The, the Raptors looked lost AF. Uh, <laughs> they brought the intensity. They brought the skills. And Fetz gets yellow. Uh, before the end of the first quarter of play at uh, minute 17 and the wheels, uh, as Bobby Bobberson likes to say, and the wheels fall right off, fall right off, fall right, fall right off. Uh, in contrast to Glendale, who seemed to, when Terramont got a yellow at about minute 11, I think it was, they tightened up and their intensity shot through the freaking roof. And Gaining more, Josh Anderson, they kind of were all of Utah in this game. Gaining just continues to show you everything uh, that, about why he's an eagle, really. He's got he's got wheels. He's got physical intensity. Uh, he, he can pretty much score from anywhere around the park uh, if he finds a gap. Uh, the, the interesting move really here is Josh Anderson to fullback. Uh, not really a kicking fullback option like Don Patty is. Uh, and Don Patty really pushed out to 14 
uh, to the right wing. So that was some, some interesting moves by Utah. Uh, what we've seen from Glendale specifically over the last two weeks is that when they're on, they're on. They were very skillful in this game. Uh, they are missing some pieces, and this is pieces that they've never really had uh, as much as Luke White. And I really like Luke White. Luke White is a crazy workhorse. He's not a lineout slash tight head lock, though. He's he's six foot three, uh, and I think we've talked about on the show how I think he's a six at this point. That's probably where he could really do a lot of stuff. Yet, I can't really complain about Davey Williams making this tactical decision about just making sure Luke White is on the pitch because his work rate has made him unbenchable. Uh, Over 100 meters, like 13 tackles, uh, an offload, I believe. Really, like, really important player for them. Uh, Glendale and penalties, the lack thereof. So they kept their penalty count under 10, although one of those was a yellow card offense. I'm pretty sure if they turn a thousand meters and keep their penalties under 10, they're something. Utah, um, I, I was in a chat this weekend. They're, they're an annoyance to me. <laughs> okay. And some other people. They are consistently inconsistent. At least, you know, you're at the bottom of the table. <laughs> like Austin or Houston and just be bad. Please. I, I think I saw something. There was a chat, not a chat, but a tweet from, uh, I guess, uh, I wouldn't call it a sock puppet, really. I would, uh, it was an anonymous. Sock puppet? Wait, what? <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it, it's a blog account, sort of like the EOD account. And, but the guy was like, oh, is it bad that three teams really suck? Uh, in Major League Rugby, like, well, it's a closed league, so it really doesn't matter if three teams are bad on the field. It, it's irrelevant. If teams are bad on the field, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is in a new league, off the field operations and all of the stuff that goes into that. Um, but like, who? You, somebody needs to be the Browns. Somebody needs to be the Lions. And somebody needs to be the Auckland Blues. And guess what? We got our bad teams. And that's okay because this is America and somebody has to suck. And that just means there's going to be redemption stories. At some point, Houston, at some point, Austin and Utah, like in the future of Major League Rugby, they're going to have winning seasons. There's going to be, there's going to be victories and stuff like that. And that's what fans, you know, watch rugby for is to kind of see that progression and root for it. Um, so, but... Talking about this game uh, in terms of Utah versus Glendale, the score isn't even that close, but it still wasn't as close as it even makes it seem. Glendale had their way with Utah in this one, and it looks like they're finally starting to find that dominant groove that got them through the beginning of last season before eventually falling off or the wheels fell off in the MLR championship against Seattle last year. Glendale over a thousand meters gained for an average MPP of 6.5, which is Pretty above your league average of about five even. Nine total tries, three of which came by way of Robbie Petza, who would go on to who would also go on to hit uh, kick and hit all of the conversions except for one of them uh, for all of his team's tries. Utah themselves, eight eight hundred and fifty-nine total meters at five point four a pop. So not a totally lame day with the ball in hand for them, but that's pretty par the uh, course for the best looking losing team in major league rugby. But I'm not going to start beating that dead horse 
again. Thud, thud, thud. Uh, both teams had a pretty bad day tackling. Neither one of them cracking the 90% mark in the completed takedowns. Utah even fell as far as 82% with 43 total missed tackles. Uh, as you can guess, the Raptors had a field day with line breaks, getting a total of 11 on the day. Uh, turnovers, probably the reason why Glendale uh, allowed as many points to Utah as they did. They conceded a total of 12 on the day, including three in the breakdown and two in the lineout. So good looks to Utah in that regard. Unfortunately, Utah committed 14 of their own with one apiece in the breakdown in the lineout. So yeah, that, that kind of balanced it out for the for the worst there in that aspect. Um, I'm a little shaky right now on my prediction that Glendale misses the postseason. Obviously, they have some momentum going for them. But I have a hard time seeing Seattle or Rooney falling out, um, especially Seattle. I don't really... They're they already hit- out right now. I, I, I know. They're I know. out right now. I, I know, I, I which is... I, I understand. They're, they're in fifth place right now. I'm saying I don't see them falling out at the end of the season just because they don't really set themselves up for shitty trap games the way Glen- the way Glendale does, like falling behind by 30 points to Houston. Fair enough. All right. Uh, third up this weekend was San Diego traveling to Toronto. So these would be the uh, probably the two furthest teams, I would imagine, geographically from each other. So the Arrows have moved to Lamport Stadium in downtown Toronto, it's their new home, to finish out the the first season of ML, their first season of MLR. Uh, they faced the Legion in their first match, the New Digs, and they also were able to walk away with a last-minute victory. Um, yeah, thanks to a depleted Legion side. San Diego was shown three yellow cards during this match, and the last one cost them big time. So the final score was 19-23 to in Toronto's favor. Liam, lead us off on this one. So overall, I thought this was a pretty great, entertaining game that made a lot of people eat their own predictions. Although, let's be honest, three yellow cards is bound to change a match's outcome in some way, shape, or form. Just like Glendale, Toronto was looking more and more like a legitimate playoff contender. Whether or not I think they're actually going to make that happen, I'll get to that later. On the day, Toronto had had a uh, pretty good percent possession advantage in nearly 22 total attacking minutes compared to just 11 from San Diego. 11 total attacking minutes. That is how you control a game, by holding the ball literally twice as long as your opponent. So more on the arrows, 977 total meters on 193 passes, giving them an average team average, giving them a team average uh, five meters per carry. So only four penalties the entire night compared to 17 from San Diego. So huge disparities there in both penalties and in attacking time. So I don't even know how to proper, properly analyze that for you because I just think just hearing those figures alone kind of tell a story. Uh, completed tackles, 94% uh, from Toronto. So they even allowed San Diego – like so despite the fact uh, – they like I mean, they shut down San Diego in terms of possession, uh, and they also tackled them whenever they even did allow them to possess the ball. Speaking of which, San Diego on the night, 715 total meters off of 98 passes for a shockingly good MPP of 7.2. But when you, ha- when you have guys like Mikey Teow and Joe Peterson eating up 173 and 109 meters on their own respectively, you can expect the stat lines like that to be a little inflated. Uh, neither one of these teams did very well in the set piece. Neither one broke 83% in terms of scrums or lineouts won uh, on their own. 
each side had at least a pair of steals in the breakdown as well. So it was definitely a pretty tough game in the trenches to some degree, but this was Toronto's show from the opening kickoff. And uh, yeah. Really weird game. Uh, good win for Toronto. I mean, they needed the win. Uh, they, they needed a bonus point, but they didn't get that. Uh, it really shows you what kind of level San Diego is on, though. Uh, they lost this one with three yellow cards, uh, although that last one I think was kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> refing, I guess we won't get into this later on, but uh, can't be letting one team have six guys who aren't captain talk to you. Uh, this is really a thing I've seen throughout MLR, and apparently ML, MLR refs have made note of this, is that they, I, I guess the first time I heard this, it was like American players like to backchat referees. Well, I can tell you, it wasn't just American players. It was Canadians. So <laughs> North American players like to backchat referees. Not American. Sorry there, official, but that was a shitty call there, eh? Sorry. <laughs> they sound, they sound uh, no, 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 no. They wouldn't say shitty. They'd say, uh, you know, this is no good. That was no good. <laughs> oh, that, that, that really got my knickers in a bunch there. I wish it weren't so awkward there, bud. What do I say? We go have a, have a beer and talk about it. They're so. Oh, yeah. how, how about you meet me down there by the laneway? Eh? So, so, so polite about it. Uh, but, um, you know, I guess this is one where the refs can easily stop. Just start to show a yellow because I, I think it was that bad. Uh, I think that would have made up for the yellow that San Diego's had. But uh, weird situation. Um, I think we might see that get climbed down on. Um, two th and this isn't different. This is different from fans and journalists being critical of referees because in America, that is normal. That is okay because we hold our referees to standards on the field though. It's about, I guess you want to talk about respect. Captain talks to ref and that's how things go. Otherwise there should be like, that's how penalties get reversed and penalties weren't getting reversed with that. Kind of annoying. Uh, or at least at the rate I thought should have happened. Um, two things that made this one interesting, uh, given how physically dominant a team like San Diego is, you probably don't cough the ball, up, want to cough the ball up. Well, so 17 turnovers for Toronto, but for San Diego, 18 penalties, three yellow cards. Um, it, so it, when it's, uh, so you're negate committing that many penalties, you're negating all of the turnovers you're gaining. Uh, just, you still saw San Diego out there. They were as physically intense as they could be, but they were... They were hobbled uh, by that yellow card, unlike those yellow cards, unlike when they had that red card against uh, against Seattle. So I guess that tells you the kind of level uh, of the play that is going on in Toronto. Uh, will they make it to the playoffs? It, it is very interesting for the bottom two spots to get into the playoffs. Uh, San Diego, they didn't they didn't get their attack. They didn't they did not execute what they wanted to do. Uh, the the Toronto defense played played very well in stymieing them. They played ball position. Uh, 
Uh, I think the long travel here probably hurts San Diego. It seems to be everyone that travels to Ma Maple Syrup Land has issues. <laughs> uh, crowd uh, official number is 2,229. Lamport's is funny, though. Uh, it's in a public place downtown, and you had a bunch of pop-ups on one end that probably had like 400 people eyeing the thing for free. Uh, that's over 2000 tickets sold. All tickets for these things have, have been sold and people are like, uh, is this a good or a bad thing? Yo, uh, well, yeah. So they got 3000 at York, the first game. And then on Easter, uh, they're, they're combating Easter and hockey. So there, there was a dip now since then the, the attendance has gone up the last two weeks. So, we're seeing continued increase. So as far as how things are going, I think, I think they're okay. Uh, but you know, hats off to Toronto and Utah and Houston for, uh, giving us some attendance figures, uh, so that we can compare across the league, uh, for the end of the year, like we did last season. All right. Uh, maple syrup land. I like that one. Good word, Aaron. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I actually went to a uh, went to college in a place very similar. <laughs> Although uh, I would argue that the maple syrup was better. Uh, the, the Canada of America, Vermont. <laughs> I think that is Wisconsin. <laughs> they definitely. I, I, are you, I don't. Are you kidding? Our, our our maple syrup producers will beat not, up. Not the and, not the maple syrup piece, but the the amount of A's at the end of. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever heard Vermonters. Uh, end every sentence with a, but I had I knew a guy from Wisconsin who definitely did. Yeah, uh, well, we people from Vermont usually end their uh, sentences with a word that so that you I know, stop saying so much on the air. <laughs> honestly, when you go, you know, any anywhere in the Midwest here, anytime you get within like two hundred miles of the border, it really starts starts transitioning uh, pretty quickly. It's maple leafy. So is, you, is that you because you have Canadian snowboarding in Iowa? <laughs> yeah, could be. I'm just thinking of northern Wisconsin, northern Minnesota, and North Dakota. You get all three of those together. It's just kind of that line there, and uh, it yeah, it gets it. There's you know, some similarities. I, I watched Adam Sandler's tribute to Chris Farley today, and we're talking about Wisconsin. Just God damn it, Chris. <laughs> That was really nice. I, I I really enjoyed. I watched that on YouTube today too. Oh my! It was okay. it was perfect. Got I cried. God, God damn it! I love Chris Farley. Speaking of stuff from the '90s that we love, yeah, right. <laughs> Tommy Boy. It's great. Break break pads. Break pads. A van bought down by the river. <laughs> All right, man. This is we're going to turn this into an entertainment podcast as soon as the season's over. I think that's what we're yeah, right to uh, entertainment. <laughs> we'll just talk about TV. Um, so Houston at Rooney, uh, traveling up to New York City there, uh, all the way to New York for a shutout. Yeah, uh, that was zero to twenty-one in Rooney's favor. Uh, Rugby United New York had their forwards do the dirty work all day long. Uh, the front row was responsible for all three tries on the day. The Sabercats couldn't put any points, points on the board because only um, the second – oh, becoming the only, only the second team ever to have a MLR shutout. Wow. 
Uh, yeah. Plus, uh, we probably need to talk a little bit about uh, cards uh, being played at this one too. Uh, specifically, a red card towards the end of the Don't game. But get me, will. Aaron. Uh, so where, off to, here. Where, where to start? Uh, it was some good Irish weather on Coney Island. Uh, as uh, Dylan Fawcett w- was to say, uh, raining pretty nastily. Uh, the bo- broadcast r- r- crew was, they were huddling in a tarp, uh, hoping they didn't freeze to death. Uh, rain helped no one in this thing, really. In fact, every time New York had possession, they just seemed to sort of kick it away and, and hope that Sabercats would, would screw it up, which, which they did. Uh, not really a fully conservative game plan for New York, but the conditions didn't allow for much more. And, and on the turf, I'm not sure it would have been the best to play pod rugby because it was raining so much. So they may have just skittered along. Um, Sabercats had half as many kicks in play. Uh, and when they, you know, did receive the kicks in play from New York, they made a lot of garbage meters, I would say, based on just, you know, the differential because it was like three. It's like, it, it was one to two. It's like three thirty to six sixty. Uh, Paul Emmerich uh, fielded what I consider, you know, really interesting backline, and I, I would have wanted to see this backline for like the whole season. Uh, really, uh, still need an upgrade at scrum half. Uh, just I don't know. It's just not working. Uh, the the this backline though, they're big. Like hopefully. DC doesn't get sighted because VT doesn't get sighted because I thought that was BS. But Esdale, he's like 6'2. Palamo, 6'2. VT, 6'2, 6'3, maybe. Mike Sell, 6'3. Palamo and VT both had some really good outs. Oh, Mike Sell is not 6'3. He's not? Are you sure? He looks 6'3. Is he 6'4? Is that what you're telling me? He's a big boy. No, dude. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm taller than Dion, dude. No. Let's look this up. Act checking right uh, now on. I, I like six I mean, foot. So six. Yeah, foot. yeah, yeah. Bullshit. He's six three. Six, yeah, foot. I like, I, six foot. So all right, there yeah, you go. I was gonna six say foot. like like, like I, I say hi to him like at the beginning of practice every day. Uh, like so. Uh, so this is where I'm. I'm gonna get annoyed. Uh, Vithi got a red card in the 78th minute. Sorry, uncalled for. Should have just given him a yellow if you're going to give him a card. In fact, it was so confusing that everyone I knew and the stats people thought it was yellow. So, uh, given where New York was, uh, it was deep in in Sabercats territory. Yes, he was off his feet. Don't care. Uh, give New York the penalty. They probably choose the scrum and they, you know, maybe they score another one. Or they kick out, they go to the line out, and they score another one. But there was a red card. Like, why? Like, this game is over. It's the 78th minute. They're not coming back. It, there was there was no reason to give a red card. Jeez. Uh, you know, the butcher, he did butcher things. Uh, two tries, uh, 10 carries, and I think like 14 uh, tackles. Dylan Fawcett getting it done as per usual. On attack, Sabercats, like I said, they, they really seem sort of pedestrian. I think there may have been some game plan adjustments made on the fly uh, under Coach Emmerich, uh, which I, I really want to see how this evolves because he is a different, like, he he's a back, period. So he's mm-hmm. going to coach a little bit differently than a forward. 
That's just how it is. Uh, defensively, even given the amount of penalties and two cards conceded in the first half, uh, the Sabercats defense, I thought it played played very well. like And probably like it never has, uh, given this season. On defense overall, they haven't uh, been good. And coming off a performance against that one of San Diego, this was going to be interesting. Um, honestly, the I think the surface didn't help them. I think if we played this on grass, it would have been different. Uh, it would I probably would have been a little bit closer. I'm not saying there was a win here to be had, but uh, their their set piece would have done a lot better. Uh, however, um, you know we're going to win when your penalty plus turnover ratio is two to three. But in this case, it wasn't two to three; it was twenty to thirty. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. Holy crap. Uh, this is not the result that we wanted, uh, you know, especially for the first game, uh, especially for the first game of Paul Emmerich being the interim head coach. Uh, we fielded what I thought, you know, as Aaron alluded to, was a pretty good back line. Unfortunately, what really did this team in was just the miscues inside the smaller windows in the passing game. Uh, drops, bad passes, fumbled pickups, you name it. Our ball carriers were just not executing, executing as evidenced by our 16 total turnover, turnovers. Uh, which is why, despite whatever props people give us for our defense, and don't get me wrong, I'm really proud of what our defense did, especially inside, the, uh, in, inside of our own 22. Didn't really amount to any actual production, even with the opportunities that we tried to give our offense. On the day, 610, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't, we had 610 total meters, uh, you know, on, on the day with 101 passes and that averaged out to an MVP of about six meters per pass. New York, they weren't perfect themselves. 12 total turnovers. That rain really did suck according to a lot of the guys that I've talked to, uh, for New York, surprisingly low output in terms of total meters, only 395 on the day, um, for an average MVP of only 4.2. So pretty shocking figures when you do the math there. However, where it starts to make a little bit more sense for New York, 58% possession advantage, uh, 38% uh, in the quick ball rate, and nearly five minutes more of attack time. So it's kind of like it's kind of like Corey said to begin this, uh, this segment, the forwards kind of controlled this one for New York. And what you got was a game plan that gave them the victory because they made slightly fewer mistakes than Houston did. And by slightly fewer, I'm also referring to the seven penalties conceded compared to, uh, to 14 from the Sabercats themselves. So, sheesh. Uh, I'm hopeful Houston is going to see a little bit of a late season surge. I'm really hoping that we get the sweep over Austin and Utah, at least. Uh, you know, like you said, Aaron, I really am excited to see where this backline goes. But, you know, whenever you lose a, whenever you lose a uh, head coach, it's going to, uh, you know, definitely have an effect on you. Uh, also, you know, we should be seeing some people, I can't confirm anything, some people getting better from injury in the coming days and weeks. So real quick before we leave this match, um, and Aaron, I think this is mostly more of a you and a me conversation. Uh, no offense to Liam. Do you, do you have any observations or anything you wanted to say real quick about uh, the departure of Justin Fitzpatrick? Uh, I mean... I mean, there's nothing really to say, you know. Uh, could this open the floodgates for other changes in in the coaching realm of the league? I, I really think that uh, it, it 
it was a must win season. And I think it's professional sports and it says where the league is and where it should be is that you got, you kind of got two years as a head coach in most pro sports in the United States. And that's where we're at. And they, they did not, they, they were bottom of the table after a huge and grueling preseason in season one. And yes, although they, they dabbled between and seventh this season, it, it just wasn't. It just wasn't working, and uh, you know they did build a lot of things on and off the field that will be used, but uh, they they just need to move forward. And uh, all the off-field structures are really going to set up the next guy. The talent base that has been built up is is really, you know, is going to give the next guy a good place to start from, especially over the summer when uh, hopefully he's, hopefully this guy's hired, you know, by say August or if they go internal and uh, you know, Paul Emmerich gets a shot. Maybe I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, I, I have no clue. I think they want to, they really want to see Paul Emmerich who is a very talented coach. He was in the, he's in the Eagle soar program. Uh, but and uh, it, it was just a move that was that had to be made. Uh, it, it did surprise me. It did surprise me. Uh, not that it was was made, but that it, the timing. I, I figured, you know, not that they were so far gone that give it to someone that can salvage this, but we are a young league, and just keep the structures in place to end the season, and then you know, day after the season's over. You have the meeting and you get it done. But like I said, it shows where the league is. It shows that performance, the only key performance indicator is wins and losses. And uh, it may open the door for another coach to get fired. Uh, and that's probably a good thing overall because it says across the league that performance matters. And I, I just want to make two points real quick about this as well. Um, one is that if, uh, especially if Emmerich wants to put his hand up and go for the permanent head coach spot, having a few games to of the season left to prove himself could be beneficial, but it could also be very hurtful if if they don't make any improvements whatsoever. So it's kind of a little bit of a gamble on his part. If that's something he's even, you know, considering or something he wants to head towards. Well, one thing I will say about Paul, though, he's very focused on just the remaining four games and making sure that we have the production in them. He's not looking, you know, ahead too far into the future. I know Paul really well. He's a guy who's going to concentrate on just what, what are we doing this day? What are we doing the next day? He's, he's, you know, he, he's, he's not a guy who looks too far ahead. I absolutely believe Paul will help his team show some improvement. You know, I can't really comment on the ultimate or the, the overall um, head coach search, but I absolutely believe in Paul Embrick moving forward. I, I mean, the Cactus is a good dude. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, the Cactus is a good guy. He can – will they win another game? Probably. I, I really I, – the, there's too much talent on this roster to – no matter who the coach was, well, well, if this this red card gets held up, yeah. might have to, might have to, yeah. Um, but there's just too much talent on that team not to just get another one. And it, yes, they were playing; they were playing bad. 
this performance was good. Yes, it was a shutout. It is what it is. I, I'm excited for, for Coach Emmerich. Uh, and, you know, it, it's going to be interesting for the Sabercats going into the offseason. And it, it just – it is what it is. And um, like I said, it, it, someone asked, is it good for the league? Yeah, because it says that results matter. It says that ownerships – at least – well, at least one ownership group. <laughs> it, says that, <laughs> it says that ownership puts results – at the forefront for their organization. Cause at the end of the day, what gets butts in seats is wins. And um, the other point I wanted to make just real quick is that some of the commenters have just, I should know this by now. People say stupid crap on Reddit. We know this, but uh, there's been some folks who've actually gone as far as to question the validity of Houston as a team because of a coaching change. And that's like, there is no yeah. other professional well, this, this sport is in the what world. I, this is what I got to say. About where they like, would, where they would, this is what I got to <laughs> say about some of that shit. The owners just invested $10 million of their own money in a stadium. It was a total $13 million build project, $3 million. So really they invested $13 million, but they got a reimbursement for the parking lots because the city of Houston needed to add parking to the Houston Sports Park. Uh, so, you know, uh, they just, as far as money is concerned, they just spent $10 million. As far as the validity, whatever that is, uh, I mean, if – if I the Saber Cats are not going away. If I spent ten million bucks. I'd I'd want to get at least ten million bucks back. How much I get after that, I don't know. But you you get my point. They're 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 going to be fine as far as sticking around is concerned. Will they redeem themselves the rest of the season uh, or next? Well, that is on the gentlemen that wear the black and gold. So yeah, I just I I wanted to express my frustration at that line of questioning. It just doesn't make any sense. So thank you, Aaron, for, you know, kind of supporting me on that point. So, uh, yeah, I guess we can, golly, we should probably talk about uh, how badly we did with our predictions this week. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <clears throat> okay. We, we got Nola versus Austin, right? Yeah, we did. We got Glendale, right? So uh, <laughs> good for us on that. Hey man, if it if if it takes you three yellows to win by four, just just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first up Saturday was uh, Nola at Austin. Uh, that was a Nola win, twenty six to fourteen. Aaron, you had by twenty. Liam had by twelve, and I had by twenty five. So looks like yo, Liam, I win. You got that one. Good Lotto, work. baby. <laughs> uh, Saturday also saw Utah at Glendale. Uh, that was 22 to 64 final score for Glendale. Uh, Aaron, you had Raptors by 10. Liam had Raptors by 8. And I had Raptors by 12. So we all picked the correct winner. Uh, Utah. Utah, do me one thing. Just be consistent. And suck. Good. I don't care. Just do one of those two things. 
and we can be happy the rest of the way. So you know how there's the Dalton meter in the NFL? There's a, we just got to have the Utah meter here in Major League Rugby. Uh, Sunday we had San Diego at Toronto, and that was 23 to, to 19 in Toronto to Toronto. We all picked San Diego on this one, so yay us. Aaron, you had San Diego by seven. Liam, you had San Diego by 14, and I had San Diego by three. The final uh, game of the evening, Sunday evening, was Houston at Rooney. Uh, And Aaron, it looks like you and I picked Rooney on this one. Uh, Aaron, you said by 10. I said by 12. The final was 22-0 Rooney. 21-0. 21-0. Let's be clear here, though. Um, there were some spots where I'm not saying be, the, the Sabercats should have gotten over, but I'm going to say they didn't get any help. If you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I know what you're freaking saying. Yeah, well, there was a run from VC that I don't know how he didn't get over the line. Like, I literally, I thought he had. You know, I, it, it's weird. It's like it's almost like he touched the ball to the line. The referee didn't see anything, and then Rooney players freaking dragged him back. It's almost like that. Oh well, <laughs> let, let's talk about you know refs not seeing a touchdown um, by by a player uh, this weekend. Um, we can talk about the Tirana game and Patty Ryan definitely touching the ball down, but Toronto creatively. Just jump. Let's jump on him. Let's just jump on him. So, oh my god! Dun, 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 dun. So you said jump on him, and you know, yeah, yeah. I... And uh, Liam, for this game, uh, for the SaberCats Rooney game, you were expecting a Thanos snap. Did that happen? Sort of. I mean, <laughs> hey, do we do we know that it didn't? Dude, for for all we know, like we just came back. Have have we have we checked on Tom Holland? Has anybody called him yet? I no. who knows, man. No one has. No one should ever call. We're Tom introducing Holland. a multiverse in, in Spider Man Five from Home, so th- th- there's a whole whole cluster frig. Of this things. is all. This is all feeling a little too DC for my tastes, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> No, I actually would have sworn if this was DC. <laughs> uh, Aaron, take us through the standings. Where are we at after this weekend? Nola Week gold 15. Back. Nola gold back on top. However, uh, this is where I'm going to go with some baseball stuff here. They are still a game, they're a half game back from uh, San Diego, but are ahead in the standings with a 9 and 3 record. I guess a half game ahead, really, because. They have played one less game, but are ahead uh, with 50 total table points. Uh, San Diego drops to second at nine, three and one with 47 table points, uh, man. Um, well, I think those two are probably your, they're going to be in like the next two. I don't know uh, at nine and three, but like, no table points or no, like not a whole lot of bonus points is, uh, is New York. Uh, they have 42, uh, table points. Uh, they are tied in table points, but ahead via wins, um, over Glendale, the Glendale Raptors are seven, four and two. So they're sort of, I think they're like 
so two games sort of ahead-ish of seeing of uh oh no one game ahead of or behind sea wolves but they are ahead on the table with 42 points uh, the Seawolves are 8-4 with 41 points with a half game ahead of the Glendale Raptors. Um, where it gets interesting, this wonderful win by the Toronto Arrows uh, at 7-5. 38 table points. And then, uh, you know, let's get down to the bottom. Um, is the, the race for the Doug, the Dougie, or whatever. <laughs> Um, at number seven, uh, 12 games played, two, nine, and one, 16 points. The Utah Warriors, uh, number eight, two and 10 with 11 table points is the Houston Sabercats at number nine going undefeated or defeated. I don't know. Uh, and working on their perfect season, working, working on They are working on a perfect season with four table points is the Austin Elite. All right. That's week 15, guys. Uh, that means 16 is ahead of us. Holy cow. I mean, we're almost there. We are almost to the freaking playoffs. End of season two, dude. Dude. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So we start Thursday. we got a Thursday game this week on ESPN Plus, 7 p.m. Eastern. That is Austin traveling to Toronto. Aaron, what do you think on this one? So I haven't spoken to Mark Winokur, the GM, about this, or Chris Silverthorne, but I did see a tweet from Brian Ray saying this would be more like a Toronto A. So, uh, I mean, if Austin sort of like shows up, and if it's really a Toronto A, they they could eat this one out uh, against Toronto, and that would push the arrows out of uh, playoff contention but uh, Toronto could still get two bonus points possibly uh, uh, from losing bonus points, which would be the prudent thing to do if that happens. But uh, the reason why, if this game was on a Wednesday and not a Thursday I f- and they didn't have injuries, I think they could, they could somehow w- get it done, but it's on a Thursday and it's too close to their Sunday match. That makes it rough, but still, I'm going to say Toronto minus 10 because people have not been traveling well to Toronto. I am going to go. Sorry, Liam. That's a really good point. Just as a reminder, this is one of two games Toronto is playing this weekend as a point of explanation. Uh, This is a makeup game for uh, the game that was missed earlier on in the season because of uh, weather cancellations of flight. So, uh, sorry about that. Uh, Liam, what's your line on this one? All good, Corey. Uh, I'm going to go Toronto minus 16, despite the fact that it is a, uh, that, that it could be a Toronto A. I'm, I'm still just not confident in terms of Austin's ability to travel and be successful or go up against a team that's really looking to secure its playoff spot. And I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think Toronto is going to win this one, but I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go ahead and put Toronto by three on this one and uh, say they're going to sneak out of there with a win. Okay, so then we fast forward to Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sportsnet. We have San Diego at NOLA Gold. Could this be a preview of the championship? Depends on the seating. It depends on... If they get whoever's whoever gets the the dangerous team, 
in the playoffs. Uh, so I'm going to go Nola minus one. So if you uh, if you bet on football, you understand that that really means that the away team is favored. So there you go. Uh, I am going to go San Diego minus five. I think San Diego just has a better, uh, has a more complete team on both offense and defense. We know Nola sometimes struggles with allowing a lot of points on defense. And I think San Diego is going to be able to test them in a way that they're just not going to be able to match. I'm putting Nola at five simply out of uh, a wish. Um, Cause I've been, I, I just, I love that they've done so well this season and come out of nowhere. And I want that to continue for them. But I also acknowledge that San Diego has been showing up on the field a lot more the last few weeks than Nola has as well. So I'm going to say Nola by five. Are you wishing off like that hunger games tree? (laughs) Yeah. um, Something like that, man. I, uh, I rubbed a genie's lamp and this is one of the three I get just wishing. (laughs) Uh, so uh, I'm saying Nola by five. Uh, also on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus, we have Seattle at Rooney. This is going to be another good one. Got a couple good games. Uh, what do you think, Aaron? So I'm going Seawolves minus five. I'm going to go Seawolves minus six. I'm going the other way, especially being a home game. I'm going to say Rooney by 10. I think that's going to be a big win for him. Ooh. Uh, then we've got the fourth game of the weekend is Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Watch. That is Glendale traveling to Houston to face the Sabercats. Uh, uh, so I think the Sabercats continue to play better. Um, but the Raptors, they're rolling. So I'm going to go Glendale minus 15. I'm going to go uh, the aliens will pull the plug on our virtual reality at around halftime. Uh, originally, I had uh, Glendale by 100 on this one. I went ahead mm-hmm. and backed mine down a little. I'm going to say Glendale by 25. Uh, the last game, uh, like I said, is that uh, second game of the weekend for Toronto. And that is Sunday at 2 p.m. So they've got a Thursday game and a Sunday game. This one will also be on ESPN Plus. Uh, and it's going to be Utah traveling to Toronto. So, Aaron. So I know Toronto, they bent them over the last time. But in that same game, the Warriors scored a lot of points too. However, what really brings into my prediction, I mean, the, the set piece is going to be in Toronto's favor, so it's, it's not going to be an issue. I, Toronto minus five is prediction. The issue that comes up is the playing three games in seven days. Yeah. So uh, Toronto minus five. Oof. I, I, was, I said Toronto minus 18, but you bring up a good point. I'm going to change mine to Toronto minus 10. Fair enough. And I'm going to go ahead and say Utah takes one uh, just because that is a lot of work for guys to do in a very short amount of time. Uh, Even if they do play an A team, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent different guys than what they'll play against Utah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right, that wraps us up for the week ahead, week 16, uh, which means it's time for my favorite part of the 
evening. We get to take some questions from Bob. And <laughs> we are already 15 minutes over, so lightning round, lightning round, lightning round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's do okay. Let's lightning do bolt. This. Bam, bam. <laughs> Robert Gibbs one asks, in your own ideal worlds, what do you hope the salary caps will be for season three? 675 Imperial credits in my ideal world. Ideal? Uh, well, it'll be more than this, but I think ideal. Yeah, right. <laughs> five, 550. Okay. Uh, Big Nola guy asks, if rumors are confirmed with Nola moving to a minor league baseball stadium, Baby Cake Park, really? Baby Cake Park. Shrine on Airline. For the playoffs and next season, do you believe this will increase attendance or will it uh, turn out to decrease attendance next year or this year? Increase because it's on the East Bank. I don't know anything about the geography of New Orleans, so I can't really uh, ma ma make a guess on that. And from what I hear, the city of New Orleans has less and less geography by the day. So who knows? Conkey2195. Our Seattle. Are Seattle worse this year than last year? Or I'll add a sub-question. Is everyone else better this year than last year? Yeah, I was going to say, are they worse? Or I think every team's just got better. There's more tape on them well. I think other teams are just better prepared. Well, they added Samu Manoa, so he's worth at least one win. Um, They're fifth. So they won it all last year. So if you don't make the playoffs, they're they're definitely worse. So, yeah. Okay. Bobby Digital 24. Is it time to light these dumpsters on fire in Texas and start again? And I think this may have been one of the comments I was thinking of when I went on my little mini rant. <laughs> I mean, let's just say right now I'm feeling warm and I'm starting to cough. Aren't the dumpsters already on fire? <laughs> okay, this one came from Twitter. Bill Beck MD. At Benjamin Ru the Benjamin Rush, any concerns U.S. MLR is expanding too quickly? Not on the expansion portion, but it would be a question of, uh, you know, how long some of these original teams last or under the same ownership. I guess it, I don't know. That would be my biggest thing because the barrier to entry is pretty high now. Um, I think we should cap. Um, the you know expanding the league for at least two years um, after after the uh, the 2020 uh, two division um, take takes root uh, keep the talent pool fresh develop the markets that we already have all right and life love rugby at ll rugby what rugby news sources do you each like to check out and recommend for the rest of us America's rugby news DJ coil American rugby uh, I think we, you know, we like the same ones. Uh, DJ Coyle, uh, he's really good. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know where he finds the time, and I know he ain't too retired. I'm pretty sure he's not retired. Be, but he, the amount of stuff he puts out would make you think he is. He uh, he, he just got back from Europe too, so, so he does he, stuff. He he's having fun. Uh, America's Rugby News, they're really good, uh, and American Rugby Pod, they're good people. And uh, I guess uh, Craig Grudelli uh, over at the Runner Sports. And honestly, I would say for me, uh, definitely all those, but it's not like I'm going to any of any one of those sites and checking them. Honestly, I just check Twitter every day. 
And I feel like most of the headlines get dumped there. So between Twitter and our own uh, RML rugby on Reddit, you can get just about all the news you could aggregated news you can you could ever want. So mm-hmm. also um, just quick shout out. Ang- Angus Bishop is uh, one of the more prominent uh, beat reporters for USA rugby uh, like club. So definitely look him up. He has a few good articles on the uh, USA rugby.com. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, uh, final thoughts, I guess, considering my attendance record lately, uh, you can assume that I won't be here next week. So take care and uh, I'll see you around. <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. Um, so uh, from the Benjamin Rush, he asked us to put out our Twitter handles. So you can catch me at the Strobro. Um, you can catch uh, Liam at Poacher Rugby. Yeah. At, at Poacher Rugby and Corey. Uh, well, Josh Fredland, he's Josh Fred with some lead speak. And Corey Munson is at uh, Corey Mumson. No, Corey Munson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cor- at Corey Munson, I believe. Uh, so there you go. That is it. Liam, got anything for us on our way out? Uh, adios. All right. Buenas noches. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. Be sure to check us out next week. We are live every Monday night here on YouTube and available on your favorite podcast platform every single Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds. It helps folks find us. And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or via email at earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with a lot more Game of Thrones analysis. Until then, go out and watch some TV. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.